Welcome to Maximal Being, a podcast devoted to ditching fad diets and using real science to get you healthy and feeling great. I'm Doc Mock, a GI and functional medicine doctor who harnesses the power of gut health to get you achieving your goals. And I'm Jackie P, a well-informed layman who challenges the experts and asks the questions that you want. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button or leave a comment. And now, on to the show. What's going on, Maximal Beings? Today, we are talking about one of my favorite topics, and I actually have given a talk regarding this subject at uh, different universities and online platforms across the United States and to people across the world. Um, You may be judging the title right from the get-go, saying like, look, there's not a one-size-fits-all, but that's actually the point about what we're going to talk about, and that is the perfect human diet. We're going to offer some perspectives today on human evolution and what people ate um, as we were becoming modern modern men and women, and also the role of our individual uh, genetic, biochemical, and ancestral traits on diets. So strap up, it's going to get nerdy. And as always, I am Doc Mock. I am an advanced endoscopist, a fancy GI doctor that deals with cancer, as well as a functional medicine doctor. And joining me as always is the ever resoundingly gorgeous, Ooh, I like that. muscly, brother of mine, Jackie P. Hello. Well, first of all, Doc Mock, that was a fantastic intro. We should keep (laughs) that and just loop that over. Thank you. And hello, everyone. It is I, Jackie P., your favorite layman, here to make sure that Doc Mock doesn't get stuck in weeds with himself and uh, saying things that might be over our non-clinical, non-institutionally educated medical specialists. Um. Also, I want to shout out to Doc Mock for that subtle flex at the top with, you know, online platforms across the nation and the world. No big (laughs) deal. I like it. I'm all about it. You got everyone's got a flex. So paleo, keto, vegan and carnivore. Maybe you've tried them all, but did you have success? Are you still doing that diet? Turns out there's not just one diet right for one particular person. By understanding how your body works and the relationship behind your body's workings and these diets, you can then approach the perfect plan for you. In the Perfect Human Diet course, we talk to you about your body's inner workings and the pros and cons of each plan. We discuss how our ancestors ate and have eaten and lay a framework to tailoring a plan that is perfect for you. To learn more about the Perfect Human Diet course, head to MaximalBeam.com slash courses to find out more. And as always, I'm Doc Mock, and I'm here to maximize your health. You cannot supplement your way to health, but there are things that we need to add to our lives that can maximize our pathway to wellness. The American diet is virtually devoid of omega-3 fatty acids, which play a major role in cardiovascular disease, gut permeability, and mental health. Personally, I take omega-3s every night and iHerb is the best place for clean, natural sources of supplements. I love the ZenWise Omega-3 Fatty Acid Supplement, which is free of fish burps and good for the environment. Head on over to MaximalBeing.com slash iHerb, that's I-H-E-R-B, and enter the code B as in boy, D as in dog, B as in boy, 
888-5528 and receive 10% off your orders for all supplements. Maximize your supplements with iHerb. Uh, yes. So I'm actually excited to talk about this because I think uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of crazy information out there. Um, and we ask all of our, 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 our guests what are the crazy diets they've heard of or been on. So um, I think there's, there should be some, some fun here. I think that this is kind of like an insight also into when we're talking to people about nutrition, how we approach things. And, and yes, we have like some good guidelines and rules, right? You always hear me say like, eat real food, eat enough food, you know, make sure that you're full, all of these things. If you can't pronounce it, don't eat it. If you need, need a degree in biochemistry, don't read. But, but under the surface are individual traits that determine my response to food that's different from Jackie P's response to food. Start off is probably the ever popular ketogenic diet. We talk about the ketogenic diet, right? It's everywhere. It's not new, right, Jackie? It's been around since like the 1920s. Probably yes. our ancestors have been eating this way for a bit. Um, have you experimented at all with kind of higher fat uh, macro proportion or? So I would say I haven't um, because I'm a simple person. And uh, I, I felt like, you know, because I understand a ketogenic diet, once you get into it, you can't mess up. You can't eat too many carbs or go one way this way. And, you know, I'm going to put it out there. Everyone knows me. I have a prolific sweet tooth and I'm not as strong as I can be all the time. And I know, you know, my wife might have some ice cream or something. I might get a spoon of that and throw away the entire week of work. So I personally have not tried a ketogenic diet. However, I know a lot of folks who tried it and are absolutely crushing it and like losing weight and feeling great. And then I saw, I know a bunch of folks who are also like, oh, that's a, it's a scam because they tried it and either didn't do anything or actually maybe gained a couple pounds, um, which is right in line with the whole point. Right. And, and I think that the ketogenic diet and both, both you and I, you know, work on intermittent fasting. Both of these are examples of just a raw understanding and a raw misunderstanding of our inherent biochemistry. Right. And that is where a lot of these macro based diets exist is in the biochemistry. But, you know, each of us respond differently to fat. So in our last podcast on cold thermogenesis, we talked about these like uncoupling proteins that activate those things also tie into our ability to synthesize fat uncoupling proteins, and then something called PPARs. PPARs are these like little molecules, and they basically say like, Jackie P, when you eat that big ball of cheese, you're going to do fine. Doc Mock, when you eat that big ball of cheese, you're probably not going to do fine. And, and that's, that's one of the inherent issues that people have with the ketogenic diet. So those of you that are listening out there, if you know a friend that's tried ketogenic diet and has actually felt really sick and ill, has not done really well on this plan, they may have some sort of PPAR, in particular PPAR gamma gene mutation. So how do we determine this, Jackie P? How do we determine our innate genetic responses to food other than eating the big ball of cheese, not feeling good? Besides trial and error, um, the broad term would be science, but the more, the more specific term 
if I say it correctly, because I think I messed it up before I started, nutrigenomics. You nailed it. Absolutely. I mean, the man is a quick study. He's like basically an expert already. So. Just, just, just for the next forty-five minutes or so, and then it just don't ask me about this in a week. I might have some <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, so Jackie P, do you want to just like break down the the like regular person understanding of what nutrigenomics is? It would be my pleasure, since I just became an expert on this fifteen minutes ago. <laughs> so, nutrigenomics is a doc mock level word for essentially genetic testing, right? So uh, most folks are familiar with Ancestry.com, where you spit in a vial, it's actually pretty gross when you think about it, and then you ship it off, and they say, oh, you know, 10% is from Europe, and, you know, 40% is from this continent, that. They do the same thing, they break down the genome, um, but they, it's more targeted towards the food you eat. Um, and similarly to the ketogenic diet, right? you may find out that that type of diet doesn't work for you. Um, another great example, and I think we might have talked about this, Doc Mock. I took uh, uh, R.N. Graham's uh, physical fitness competition diet and got ridiculously, like lost tons of weight, got really slim, and then you did it, and it was exact opposite. Yes. Uh, so the nutrigenomics is essentially just using science and genetic testing to see, okay, how do, how does you, how do you as a person react to different types of foods? How'd I do doc mock? That was yeah, pretty good. You, I mean, yeah, I feel like that's a mic drop. Moment. Yeah. Just like, boom. I didn't rehearse that. I just, I just want to, I just want to, he doesn't I just have a PhD it. in genetics. And so yeah. all, all of you out there that invested in that education, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. Just, yeah. I'm a doctor. Go to now. Jackie P. <laughs> um, I actually, if it's okay with you, I was going to screen share my own genetic testing. And, and I wanted to like add a little caveat to this and make it a little more practical, if that's okay. Sure. So can you see my screen? Mm -hmm. All right. So um, what I did here is a little bit different. So for those of you that at home that want to get your genes tested and nutrigenomics, there are software platforms, you know, like you mentioned, Ancestry.com. I use 23andMe and we don't get paid by any of these companies. I just, you know, that's the one that I picked. They send you a kit at home. It's salivary based, right? So you spit in the cup, you fill it up to a certain amount with first AM saliva. And they take all of your genes, they sequence them. And this is based upon something that was um, determined by the NIH over the course of several several years, you can actually search any gene um, in the human genome and the human genome product on pubmed.com, which is where we get a lot of our references for um, this podcast um, and where, where I write a lot of my papers from. Um, and they'll give you kind of like a Mickey Mouse, really cutesy like outlay of your genes. If you find something that's bad, you know, obviously what you have to think ethically is if it's something that's a potentially detrimental um, illness in your future, does knowing about this illness, is that going to give you great anxiety if there is no treatment? Like Huntington's, like that, that is a perfect example. If you get that gene mutation, you're going to have a rough life ahead. And is knowing about it beneficial or is it just going to cause you anxiety? It's kind of like, 
you know, like seeing into the future in movies, mm-hmm. you know, is it good to see in the future if you know you're going to get hit, hit by a car on this certain day? You're going to dread that day forever and do everything possible to, to not make that happen. But I went one step further. So, you know, again, I'm totally nerdy about this sort of stuff. So they give you your raw data file and you can run it through this genetic sequencer called Genetic Genie. Totally free to use. It's like amazing. You just input the raw data file and it spits out like all of the gene mutations that you have. So for instance, um, here is a methylation gene mutation. So this means that, that I have difficulty with gene methylation, which is tied to certain uh, personality traits, right? We tend to be a little more artsy brained people. Um, and it also has to do with gene expression, right? The way we express genes is by attaching these little groups on them. Um, and so people that under methylate will tend to have different personality traits and have um, lo- lo- more longevity than people that are over methylators. Generally speaking, I'm also a carrier for hemochromatosis, but not, not the type that leads to actual genetic syndromes. But it's all of these things that, you know, you can search for um, your response to different foods, and that may help you to determine your diet. Like uh, me personally, I know that I have certain genes that make my ability to digest simple carbohydrates not as good as other people. So I can't eat that post-workout Skittles and and get energy and feel good. It's going to make me feel like garbage. And and in fact, it does. Um, So that's why I didn't do well on, you know, R.N. Graham's plan, right? Although that gives you a six pack, it gives me like beer belly. So, (laughs) yeah. I, I, I would say, one, that genetic genie thing looks really cool. However, as someone who does not function in the medical field at all. I would recommend if you use it, you might want someone like a doc mock to read it to you uh, because it it was basically in Greek. Um, But I think it's really cool to know these things. I am on, it is almost philosophical, but I'm on the side of the coin where I'd like to know. I'd like to know why am I predisposed to have what, what, you know, what, what are things that I'm in danger of? And if there's something that I can mitigate or help, you know, prolong that happening, um, I'll do it. I'd, I'd, I'd rather not walk around and just, just be surprised all the time, I don't know, but that's just me. It's kind of like the whole nature versus nurture argument, which I feel like some people still go back and forth with back and forth, but it's always a combination of all these factors, right? I can carry a gene that makes it difficult for me to break down fats, but if I avoid fats, it doesn't make any impact on my risk for cardiovascular disease in the future or cause inflammation or make me feel like I have an autoimmune sort of joint issue. Um, right. So it's both, both parts of it. And also not all genes are expressed, right. And it's that methylation process that we talked about that has to do with how many light switches on the gene is turned on and how many are off. And that can be controlled with, with various means, things like actually meditation, like exercise, like cold thermogenesis, like, like sauna therapy, all of these things change your methylation patterns of your genes and can improve your longevity and can and ch- change your gene expression. So it's not necessarily always a death sentence if you get 
certain genetic traits with the exception of the condition that I talked about, which is a very uh, difficult one. But yeah, I think you, you hit the nail on the head that yes, you should, this is what functional medicine is all about, right? Your average doctor probably doesn't have time to go through your genetic testing and probably doesn't honestly know what a lot of those things have to do with. But if you sit down with a genetic counselor or a functional medicine doctor, we talk about a lot of those things when we're counseling patients. So it's a really valuable piece of information. I actually saw my functional medicine doctor today, and we talked about some of these things in particular in caffeine, they're, they're, they're genes that control caffeine. So, uh, and those are COMT and MAO, uh, monoamine oxidase. So they have to do with that's, your ability the, to break down caffeine. That's a caffeine gene. So is that, is that what makes folks more or less sensitive to caffeine? Exactly. That, that's oh. part of it too. Um, and as we talked to Dr. Jyoti Grewal on our sleep podcast, um, it, it is multifactorial. It also has to do with that adenosine that builds up in our brain over the course of the day, it blocks the responsiveness, but also the COMT and MAO, right? It's, it's multiple things. Our human bodies are not linear, which yeah. is, you know, that's what we're talking about today. It's like an orchestra almost. You're trying to just guide. Interesting. Exactly. So, so Jackie P when you're thinking about what our ancestors ate, and whether or not it's good to eat that way, what sort of like diet plans do you think of, or what do you think of our ancestors as, as eating? I'll say the one subject I disliked more than science, actually, which is interesting, was history. But the one thing I remember from history was hunter-gatherer. That's all I remember. And I still say that when I go to the grocery store. So I assume they ate some sort of meat, some sort of animal that they can you know, hunt and track down and then berries and fruits that they, they find around, you know, the, you know, whatever they picked. I don't know if I'm sure, you know, they didn't have raspberries all that time back, but something similar, right. Raspberries ancestor. Right. Right. Um, so that's, that's what I imagine. Right. So they're running around, they chase the food down and they, you know, they get like a, I don't know, woolly mammoth. Why not? they eat that and have some berries and hang out by the fire. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that um, our initial impressions, like in the 1920s, when we started to actually discover, you know, the bones of uh, Homo Neanderthalus, the Neanderthals, and then Homo sapiens, our early ancestors, was that these people are just chilling on the Great Plains. They're just sitting there, you know, laying back, but maybe they discover fire, maybe not. And a gazelle is just like, hey, what's up? <laughs> Anyone hungry? You want to you want to eat me? How about a yeah. little nibble? Yeah. It makes me think of that, like in The Simpsons, where he yeah. goes, yeah, <laughs> it's like the bear that just walks up, and like, hey, yeah. take a nibble of me. Yeah. But um, it's really hard to catch an animal. I mean, I I don't know. Have you ever? I've never gone hunting. I'm not a hunter. But have you have you tried to catch a dog that got loose? I mean, just think about that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. they're not having. And dogs aren't experts of running away from predators. Yeah. So can you imagine an animal <laughs> who all day is running from predators? Yeah. Like you it, got all Olympic athletes, the entire hunting team, Olympic athletes. They have yeah, to be. Definitely. Yeah. We're talking like the elite of the elite. And, you know, there are still tribes of people in the world that are 
hunter-gatherers, like the Hazda people, like the Pygmy people, like the Inuit, um, all of which we lump into hunter-gatherer, right? And the diet that's based on hunter-gatherers is the Stone Age diet created by a gastroenterologist, actually, but revitalized in the 1990s by a PhD in Colorado and renamed the Paleolithic diet. And the main principles of the Paleolithic diet are, are based upon what our ancestors ate. So heavy in meats, these meats have to be eating the stuff that they're supposed to eat, lots of vegetables, in particular tubers, um, no legumes, right? So no peanuts, no beans, um, no grains, no dairy, um, and no soy. Those are kind of like the biggest principles behind the Paleolithic diet. And what we know is that hunter-gatherer people um, ate a mixed diet. So I don't know if you turned into Netflix, there's um, this like documentary called The Game Changers. I don't know if it's still on Netflix or not. Did you watch that? I'm very aware of it, but I decided not to watch it for reasons which I feel like you may get into. Yeah, it's where like plant-based kind of like got reborn. Whatever plant base means to you, right? Because it can mean vegan, vegetarian, you know, how I eat, which is just a lot of plants, pescatarian, everybody just kind of interprets it in a different way. And if you look up plant-based on PubMed, the the research thing, each study will define plant-based differently. Hmm. Yet all of the data are conglomerated together. But they argue in this that based upon gladiator teeth, and bone analyses, carbon dating, where we determine where the food came from in those bones, where the where the bones were generated from, that gladiators ate a plant-based diet. <clears throat> so if you're a vegetarian, you take that as, oh, gladiators were vegetarian. If you're a vegan, you say they're vegan, but really they probably just ate a lot of plants. And then on the other end are these are carnivore people, which is Dr. Paul Saladino. He's a functional medicine doctor, psychiatrist by trade, uh, wrote the book on carnivore diet. And he argues that our, our ancestors didn't really eat plants, that it was a small minority, and that actually plants are harmful for our bodies. So what, what do you think about that? I mean, are they both right? Is one right, one wrong? I mean, are you kind of like, this is all a bunch of nonsense? I, I think maybe in the middle, I mean, I, I, I would say if I had to disagree with someone more, I would disagree with the plants are harmful. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, eat a lot of vegetables and I've never felt better, Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's just right. This is my experience. Yeah. Uh, but also I guess it depends what type of plants or if plants are right for you. Right. There's, you know, we were just talking about that, right. Depends on your genetic makeup, right? There are people who are allergic to different types of plants. Um, but I mean, I, I, I can't, I imagine if, if we're talking about our ancestors, I imagine meat. I don't know why it could be from media or just from the paleo diet, right? Because that was so popular. Um, still is popular actually. Um, but I think, you know, I think there, there has to be a balance, right? Like everything, nothing's that black and white. So if I were to say, I'd say it's somewhere in the middle, which is not an answer. But you got to have a little bit of both. Yeah. In, in some way. Yeah. And I've tried, uh, I've tried paleo. What I eat is kind of some semblance of paleo. I've tried being vegan. 
Um, I've never tried being carnivore, but I have recommended that to certain patients and clients of mine. And I think I'm going to go into the main, my main thoughts behind who's right and who's wrong and why. So my own personal experience with vegan diet. So why, why did I go on? So I tried being vegan. I tried being vegetarian, tried being vegan because like environmental impact, right? That's a big argument for plant-based. Um, I would say, you know, I'm not an environmental expert by any means. Um, but actually I, we, we should probably have somebody on soon that I'm, uh, comes to mind that is an environmental, uh, agriculture expert. Um, but you know, when you make an animal, right, that animal eats plants mostly or eats grains. And so it takes energy to create those foods. And then also the animals take up physical space, require other things to support their life, like water, like shelter, like warmth, if you live in a cold climate, but then they also create a lot of waste product. And if that waste product contains things that don't belong in the soil that other animals can't eat, it's harmful for the soil and the soil doesn't regenerate properly. And then you just degrade the soil over time, which leads to worse plants, which leads to worse animal, you know, and just kind of spirals from there on out. And that's where we are now as a society. Um, but I would argue Jackie P that organic farming may be the solution to that argument. So having animals that eat each other's, um, live in each other's waste products or, or benefit from each other's waste products and that eat the things that they were supposed to eat. You know, chickens eat bugs that come from cow feces on those pastures and cow feces contain nitrogen, which is good for the soil. If they eat plants, not, not grains, that it may not have as bad of an environmental impact if we just spent a little more money and treated our animals the way that they're supposed to. But, um, on that diet, I just didn't feel good. Like when you're on it, you think you feel good, right? Because that's like what, you know, it's like this healthy way to be right. Oh, the animal proteins have hemoglobin and that's going to cause inflammation in my body and inflammation is bad. Right. But I don't know when you eat a vegan diet, there are certain things that you can only get from meat. Do you like, but would, you say, would you say you felt like you didn't feel good physically like sick or did you feel just like not like, did you feel, I guess, weak? So my understanding, I always thought like, if I go to a vegan diet, I mean, I won't feel like healthy and like, I won't feel strong, I guess, for lack of a better word. Like I feel, yeah, you know, just, you know, like weaker, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, I personally developed some sort of vague muscle aches. Um, I was training, but they went away once I started to eat meat again. And in researching it, I think I was depleted in some essential amino acid, you know, um, that you probably only could get from a meat source. And then there's also things like B12. You can only get B12 from a supplement or from an animal period. Wow. Like uh, maybe there's some trace amounts in certain things. Iodine is hard to get unless you eat sea plants, right? It's hard to get omega-3 fatty acids unless you are in a good amount, unless you use some sort of 
krill oil or, you know, something like, so there's a lot of supplementation you have to do to really meet your needs. So, so would you, would you say that, <clears throat> cause I know a couple folks that are vegan, um, that come to mind and like, I know a few of them that exercise and work out and I mean, they have good size. Um, now I don't know what their diet looks like and how they keep track, but would you say if, 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 uh, if you're a vegan, right, you have to really, I'd say pay more attention, I guess, right. You should always be paying attention to what you eat, but if you're vegan, you're cutting out a source of a lot of different complete proteins. And so like, what, what would you say to someone who's vegan, but you know, still wants to, you know, wake up at four o'clock in the morning and, you know, do CrossFit every day. <laughs> yeah. And, and I would also say that there, there are a lot of athletes out there that are w- in way better shape than I will yeah. ever be. And they're, you know, plant-based or they're vegan or they're vegetarian. Right. So, but my problem is that a lot of the carbo, uh, a lot of the proteins that you get are car- carbohydrate based. So you need to be aware of the fact that there's an overlap between protein and carbohydrate. And so when we talk to people about what is a food, what macro is a food, it's the highest number on the back of your nutrition facts, right? So if you look at a lot of these grains, they have protein like quinoa, but that's a carbohydrate. It's not a protein, right? Sure. It's more carbs than protein. Same thing with a lot of like the bars. So I think that um, knowing the protein carbohydrate balance and tracking that, and I would also say Jackie P that like vegan with an emphasis on a ketogenic vegan is the way to go, right? So that way, at least you're feeding your hormones and your brain appropriately with good, healthy fats, which you, you can get a lot of good, healthy fats from plant sources. And you need to supplement with certain things like essential amino acids, like probably iodine, unless you're having marine plants, like probably, um, and, and definitely B12. Um, I also, Jackie P, the, the one the biggest issue I have with vegetarian vegan diets is these um, tofu based products that are supposed to look like something right yeah the 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 chicken but chicken is spelled different right there's like no e in it yeah um i i'm 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 in the camp and this i don't know if this is insensitive i feel like it doesn't why does it need to look like chicken or look like beef I mean, just, I mean, just, it's good food. Like I've eaten veg- vegetarian food. I've had vegetarian lasagna and it's delicious. I mean, it doesn't yeah. need to, we're not to mimic what we're, we're not eating. Exactly. Right. Or the impossible burger. Impossible burger. Yeah. Right. I mean, like you can't tell me that eating a regular grass fed beef patty is worse than something that was grown in a lab and contains all kinds of binders and chemicals and emulsifiers and all this garbage, you know, like, no fake. Uh, like it, it's not possible. I saw a 3d printed vegan burger on the interwebs a, a week ago. And I should have sent it to you. Cause I was like, we talk about eating real food. I'm like, this is this. F- yes. Meat can be suspect if you have it too much or you cook it terribly. Right. If you're having, a big fat steak with butter smothered all over it. Yes. That's a bad thing, right? That's not, you can't eat that too much, Yeah, but there's gotta be something wrong with your printing food. I mean, I just, 
Yeah. I mean, that's that's out there. Maybe I'm just I'm like getting old and like it's the new age. But no, I, I agree. I mean, I think it's useful. Uh, I read a book, The Fate of Food, um, which I think I've talked about before. But one of the things that they talked about was the impossible burger. And they also talked about the concept of genetically modified foods, which is demonized, but, you know, is beneficial, right? There are certain areas of Africa that their crops were being ravaged by these types of ants and they genetically modified the corn to be resistant to those ants so that thousands and thousands of people could eat. Right. Um, so, so I think we, we say GMOs bad, but it's not always bad, but they're 3d printing food for soldiers in the field, like, and adding nutrients when they need it. And I think that that's an okay way to do it. If other regular sources are not readily available, but, but yeah, you can't tell me that a tofu chicken nugget that's pressed and filled with all kinds of stuff is not bad. And then also, um, we, as men, we're always concerned about testosterone, right? Yeah. And soy products contain these things called phytoestrogens, right? Um, some people believe that they bind to our receptors and for men upregulate our, our estrogen levels so that we become, you know, less virile and less muscular. I've found that not to be true. So I don't necessarily agree with that argument against a plant-based uh, approach, but um, in reviewing the, the article, because our ability to make hormones is so complex that if we, as men, we have the enzymes to convert those estrogens into other things like testosterone. So our bodies will regulate that if it's, if you have a well-regulated body. But is it possible to have too much soy? I always, I always, that I know that's usually, I hear that and like, Oh, too much soy, even from just in, in general for men and women, um, is too much soy bad, right? Cause everything's soy based. If it's uh, vegan or vegetarian. I would say that um, it's kind of like a multifactorial answer, right? So soy, again, is a crop. We grow mostly certain crops in America, soy being one of them. And so these crops have been genetically modified um, in, in bad ways too. And so you may be getting some, you know, gly glyphosate or Roundup loaded crop that you're putting in your body. In terms of the estrogen effect, I think that the only area of question is in people that have had estrogen receptive cancers like breast cancers. Um, but as a man, you know, again, if your body is otherwise well-regulated, right? If you're gonna, if you're capable of turning cholesterol into testosterone preferentially, um, you're not gonna estrogenize like all of that soy, right? Your body's going to shift it down and turn it into testosterone and women are going to turn it into estrogen and progesterone and some testosterone. So I think so that's bro science, man. I think the, it's bro, bro science. the bro science gets even got me. I mean, I was heard of it, but I mean, I don't eat a lot of soy based things anyway. So me neither. It yeah. was, it was off my radar. Yeah. So, so back to nutrigenomics, right? So you, you get, you know, you, you send them this, the DNA sample, they take their tests and then they give your information, right? They say, okay, this is your, this is, you know, how you react to these types of foods. What, what are, you know, like how foolproof is this? What's the, the, I guess the history behind it. Cause I know I've seen it 
right? You know, like what, like how is it exact science? Is it still, is it new science? Is it, you know, they're getting better with it? Yeah, I, I think that it's an evolving science, right? So the human genome product is still relative, the project is still relatively new and our interpretation of that, you know, our our genetic makeup is incredibly complex. And again, it's not just the genes that are important, it's the expression of the genes that's also important, right? And so that muddies the waters a little bit with the research. But in doing research, you know, here in Cleveland, actually the Cleveland Clinic has done some research on nutrigenomics, and they found that at a minimum that people have higher adherence to their diet approach when it is individualized to their genetic makeup. And so I think at a minimum, you know, it's successful. And then there also was a larger project that was done where it's called the food for me study, um, which we talk about on the perfect human diet course, which is available at maximumbeing.com. Um, you know, where, you know, basically they individualize people's diet plans to those, those people. And they found more lean muscle mass built during that time, better response to exercise, more recovery, and then lower body fat percentages, which was more of the primary outcome. And so, yeah, like the individualized approach not only helps people stay on their diet more because they realize it's not just like, Hey, I've done this diet. It works for me. Look at my abs, like go. They, they know it's for them as an individual. Yeah. I think mentally, I'm, I'm sure there's a big mental factor there. And when I was, when I was using RN Graham's plan, just the fact that it was like a custom plan built specifically for a person. I mean, I, I mean, I've, I don't think I've ever followed any sort of like eating plan before that to the T. I mean, I was weighing things down to like 10 basis points of an ounce and like I was <laughs> yeah. on top of it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I can, I can see that. I mean, um, it's also because you're super smart, but you know. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, stop it, stop it. <laughs> but um, so, so we're talking about the, the paleo diet. Um, so, how does that translate now, right? So our ancestors, right, they had to chase their food and eat what they can find, right? But I mean, just as like a baby's diet changes, right? Like a, a baby's eating formula than just to to regular food, right? Like does that does that apply? Does that philosophy still apply to us? Who I mean, we can order groceries to our doorstep. Like I don't even have to get in the car. Yeah. And I think that's where we've run into trouble as a society, Jackie P, is like our genetic makeup and our bodies are trained that we are prepared for a time of famine, right? Because in the plains, that gazelle wasn't just rolling up and saying like, hey, nibble on my leg, right? You were hunting for that gazelle for days. You probably weren't hunting any meat. And so actually you know, not, not to sound sexist, but women in the tribes of hunter gatherer societies are doing majority of the food work, like harvesting food, finding food that is mostly vegetable based and nut based. Um, and so that was like a more stable food source, but enter the agricultural revolution where we can create food and now we can 3d print food. (laughs) 
you can go anywhere. You can click on an app in four seconds. There's like a pizza at your door and there's no more scarcity, but we still have a scarcity mindset. And, you know, from one gram of fat, you get more kilocalories of energy and from, and carbohydrates and hyper palatable foods are more delicious to our, you know, reptilian brains. And so we're naturally programmed to gravitate towards super sweet, super salty, super fatty, because we know that stuff is going to get us through the winter when we can't find that gazelle, but the gazelles like coming to our door with Uber eats. So (laughs) (laughs) wouldn't that, that'd be a time that, that, so, so, so our bodies are built for leaner times, right? So, and I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that that's why you're, I mean, when I started my maximum being playing field, it's just, you need to eat more food, even though if you think, right, like everyone thinks, ah, I'm going to start eating better. Let me, you know, have smaller portions and eat less here. But I guess that's still our, our ancient, our ancient brain saying, oh, if, if you're eating less, we're going to, you know, hold on to this fat longer because we don't know when the next meal is coming. Is that actually the connection? I mean, is that? I think that's part of it is like, we have this scarcity mindset. And we also think that if we just decrease the input of food, regardless of the quality or increase the output of food, that it's a like a very arithmetic, basic mathematic equation to lose fat, right? Because that's our stores of energy is fat. Yeah. Right. That's our body holding onto that. But, but it's more complicated than that, right? We also have stress response. So in times of stress, regardless of calorie intake, you're going to hold onto more fat. So, right. If you don't sleep all night or you've drank all night or your work is like making you go crazy because your boss wants to do a zoom meeting at eight o'clock, like your stress levels are going to be high and you're going to hold on to more fat, right? Just naturally. And so it's going to be harder for you to work that arithmetic equation and get things off. Um, Also insulin sensitivity, right? We've touched on that a little bit, like your, your body's ability to store that stuff or not store that stuff or use glucose is different based upon each individual. So it's, it's a lot of those things, but Getting back to our carnivore versus paleo versus plant-based, the microbiome, I think, is the key to this argument in that everybody's microbiomes are also different. So we talked about the microbiome in a prior podcast. Um, And I don't know, Jackie P, have you seen stuff come across like news feeds about the microbiome recently? Um, nothing that's not from you. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I haven't re not recently. No. I mean, I think that, I think that the microbiome's like gaining steam in, and I've ha- I'm having more people come to see me both professionally and consulting wise, just to like talk about microbiome and the science behind it. And I actually gave a, a, a webinar not too long ago about our interaction with our microbiome. And this is an incredibly complex topic, right? But like your microbiome is going to be way different than my microbiome. And that's also determined based on your genes, but also where you were born, how you were born, you know, what you ate growing up, 
where you live now, um, the things that you're exposed to, all of these things are constantly impacting the microbiome. If you travel, if you go on a plane, your microbiome changes because of the selective pressures of altitude, right? And, and you're exposed to a, another area of the, the world or the United States that, that will change your microbiome. And you may not absorb carbohydrate as well. And so for me, the patients that I put on a carbo, uh, carnivore diet do really well when they have a microbiome that is more carnivore centric. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, do you, when you, so when you, when, a, when you have a patient that comes and you, you say you're going to put them on a more carnivore centric, uh, diet health or eating plan. Um, cause you just said that our microbiome can change and evolve. I mean, is it, would you say that to do the nutrigenomics, right? Like, is that something that someone should do? I don't know, maybe every five years or something like, would it change drastically or is it just more of a nuance from, you know, based off where you live and how you're eating? Yeah. I think you can do an actual gene testing once, but I think that microbiome testing does change. And I would say that if you're trying to do any sort of dietary intervention to alter your microbiome for a reason, you can track that. And it's, it's usually at around six to eight weeks that you're going to see a change. Um, right. So when, when, when we're talking about your plan initially, we, I I told you like, don't weigh yourself. Don't like worry about any changes for six to eight weeks. And that's because it takes that amount of time for your body to really adapt and for the microbiome to adapt. So I think that the microbiome, yeah, has like more of a periodized sort of effect. Um, and, but, but genes, you really only need to check that once. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But I, I found that people that do well, you know, so the people that do well on a more carnivore diet have a more carnivore based microbiome in that they have less organisms that produce gas. And so when these organisms are exposed to a carbohydrate, um, like a fiber, right, they'll make gas. And these are people that just feel awful when they eat vegetables, right? I actually believe that some people just don't do well eating vegetables. Um, and, and those are the people that when you shift to a, a, a carnivore diet, which is mostly protein, but you also have to have some fat, um, for something called rabbit starvation. Um, you know, they, they do really well from a gut perspective. I mean, it like, they'll tell me, like, I have felt the best that I've felt and I've seen a dozen other gastroenterologists and they all just told me, oh, just like take fiber supplement basically. <laughs> Have you ever heard of rabbit starvation, Jackie? B? Nope. I was just about to ask you what yeah. is at first. I, at first, I thought you said rabbit. Yeah. Like rabbit starvation. But no, then I wanted to rabbit. finish your. Oh, rabbit. Like a rabbit. Yeah. Like yeah, chasing. Like, rabbit. Like, yeah. like a rabbit. Really yeah. cute. Like yeah. Easter rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I was going to wait. Let you let's finish your thought. And then I was yeah. going to throw a flag because I was like, I thought I heard rabbit. So I was going to yeah. clarify that. And yeah. then if it was a rabbit, I like that sounds yeah. Something that's detrimental. I don't know. The rabbits start starvation. Sounds cute, right? It's like, yeah. Like yeah. oh, like I Aww. guess not. It's just cute starvation. Like maybe I don't. My, yeah, maybe my coat will be nice and fluffy. Or yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> what but, what is what is rabbit? Yeah, rabbit. Yeah, so rabbit starvation occurs um, when people eat protein without any other macronutrient. And actually, the name occurs because in people that were consuming largely game animals that have like no fat, right? And they weren't having plant sources, they were going into rapid starvation, which can lead to death, actually. Um, it, the way that this occurs is there's a biochemical cycle in your body where you generate it, uh, you take your protein and you generate urea and ammonia. And ammonia goes into your brain and can be toxic to your brain. Um, and so people that don't have other things to shift the ammonia out of their body in a, in a healthy way through the urine or through the stool with other, with carbs or with fat in their diet, they will preferentially generate ammonia, generate ammonia, generate ammonia until it builds up in their body as a toxic form. And then they die. It's not cute at all. That's not cute. No. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, that goes back. That goes back to the the discussion, right? Like, I guess you know, you can't go full, you know, carnivore as well, because the, there has to have some form of balance. Like, there just like oh, there are some things you can only get in plant in in plants, right? This is vice versa. Some things you can only get in meat, so you have to have a little bit of both. Exactly. Yeah, I, I would say, and if you are going to go carnivore, and what I instruct people is that they need to have fats with their protein, right? They, so you, you need to use cut, have fattier cuts of meat, or cook with other fats or use other plant based sort, sorts of fats or some carbohydrate, otherwise you can go into rabbit starvation. And that is legitimate. When you say carnivore, when you go to a carnivore diet, what is the percentage of meat to non-meat like yeah. just what what is the percentage of that of that diet right uh, and i think that it probably depends upon the person's definition of the carnivore diet but i, I would say that around 80 percent or greater of your diet that's composed of meat sources now i mean meat is a really nutrient and calorie dense form of food right you're eating an animal that is also eaten a plant and so you you're often getting like really good amounts of, of micronutrients as well, like vitamins, um, add on some fat, right. And, and that's like actually a complete meal. Um, but you know, the problem arises with fiber <laughs> again, coming down to the gut, it all comes <laughs> down to the gut. It's all connected. It's all connected to the gut. Um, you're not going to poop. You're not going to, have a healthy gut, you're going to have a higher risk of colon cancers if you don't have fiber in your diet. So you need, so the people that are on a carnivore, I say that little amount of plant that you're going to eat, it's going to be all vegetable-based fiber, you know, for the health of your microbiome, right? I have to say, honestly, I did not say you're going to say that high of a number. Yeah. That is a 80% is a very high number. It is, it is. But it, I will tell you, there are some people that just have the microbiome programming where you give them vegetables and they are miserable. 
And, and what you do is you analyze the microbiome before you institute the change and you, and you see afterwards and it shifts the microbiome towards the good guys. It's really interesting. Wow. You know, if, if you told me a, a day ago, someone told me that they don't eat vegetables because they don't feel well after I'll just tell them they're a liar and, to grow up <laughs> and eat the broccoli. You'll be fine. <laughs> Do you want to go uh, to a brief commercial break, Jackie P? Yeah, sure. All right. We'll see you folks back after this brief commercial break. What's going on, Maximal Beings? It's Doc Mock here. Many of you are returning to the gym now, but some are not going back. Regardless of what you plan, Rogue has got the right gear to fit your needs. I personally own a barbell set and love it. The black ops shorts are sweat resistant and flexible for getting deep in your squats. Head on over to MaximalBeing.com Rogue for our referral link. Order three items and they ship for free. And as usual, it's Doc Mock, and I'm here to maximize your pathway to wellness. If you're stuck at home and cannot make it to the grocery store, delivery may be the best way to stay clean and healthy. Instacart is the national leader in the direct-to-home delivery service. With numerous major chains and food from smaller stores, you can get those local veggies sent directly to your doorstep. Head on over to MaximalBeing.com slash Instacart and maximize your nutrition today. And we're back. And it's uh, me, Doc Mock, here with Jackie P. We're talking about evolution. We're talking about biochemistry, genetics, and um, the perfect human diet. I wanted to ask the listeners, and you know, everybody loves some Jackie P. So, yeah, I mean people rave about you. So I think people want to know a little bit more about you, Jackie P and they want to know about your wellness journey. So if it's okay, like, do you mind just sharing a little bit about? Sure. That? Yeah. So, uh, so my wellness journey. Um, so I was your typical bro science guy. I worked out heavy weights to bulk up light weights to lean out. I mean, just, I mean, every, every, I always had like, oh, I, I got to make sure I eat like protein right after I work out because I thought it had to be right after you eat. So I was basically everything Doc Mock tells you like, okay, that's not totally true. <laughs> um, but I was in college. What was you going to do? Um, so I didn't really take my health and nutrition that seriously um, until I'd say four or five years ago. Um, as I mentioned before, I have a prolific sweet tooth. Um, on my birthday every year up until I want to say my 28th birthday, I used to literally eat an entire case of Oreos for my birthday. Like that was my thing. I'd go buy it, eat an entire row before I got to the cash register, eat an entire oh. row in the car on the way home and finish the last row at home. And I didn't think a thing about it. Um, and then, uh, one, uh, I would say this was like one summer. It was during one of our summer trips. Uh, we do an annual trip, right? The, the league, as we call ourselves. Um, I looked at Aaron Graham and he was chiseled, just, you know, shredded like a Julian salad. <laughs> and uh, I said, you know what? I like to challenge myself with things. I'm like, I'm going to get shredded. Like, like I call him Dickie, like Dickie. Um, so I said, tell me what you do. And he said, here, this is what I did for my last competition. It was, I mean, down to the macro, weighted everything. I couldn't use dressings. I could only do like dry seasonings. 
um, is carb cycling as well, right? Um, so some days are high carbs and or low. And I did that. Um, but what I realized, besides physically looking fantastic, right? Um, I realized I was extremely high functional. I mean, I was waking up at four every day, going to the gym, like working out, and then working seven to seven. That was like when I was very early in the business, cold calling hundreds of dials a day, seven to seven. And I, and then I was just, and it wasn't difficult. Sure. Was I in bed and out by 9 PM? Perfectly fine. I had no worries about it, but I've never felt that capable. If I've never felt better. Um, so that particular eating plan wasn't really sustainable, right? Cause it's something you do for 60 days before competition. Um, so of course I rolled that back, of course, put on my, a little bit of the cushion on the body, right. Which made my wife happy. Cause she said she actually was able to put her arms all the way around me and made her feel weird. Cause I'm supposed to be here, her teddy bear. Um, <laughs> nonetheless, um, nonetheless, I started really paying attention. Right. And, uh, you know, doc mock, you, you know, we were around the picture. I said, Hey guys, I just want to like eat healthy and also have sickle cell. Right. And eating healthy. And just taking care of yourself just benefits really everything. Um, so it was really just trial and error. Um, I I was like, okay. At first, I was like, ah, carbs are bad for whatever reason. I'm not going to have carbs. But then I was tired, couldn't work out. Um, and then I started hitting up Doc Mock and started talking to Aaron Graham. And they started saying, no, you need to eat food, right? Eat a lot of food. And then... If you work out right, your, your body will burn it, and you know you you'll you'll add you add to and remove as necessary. So then a year and a half ago, give or take, right? Yeah. Um, I I signed up for the Maximal Bean Personalized Nutrition and Fitness Guide uh, plug zing, <laughs> and um, it worked. Um, you know, I told Doc right, like I I don't have any particular dietary issues, so I said. I like simple. I like something I could wrap my mind around. I don't have to think about it. And he said, you just got to eat real food. Um, so I kind of changed it all around. It got rid of the junk, right? You got to do that, that purge or it just sticks around. You think, oh, after this shopping spree, we're, we're done. No, you just got to get rid of it. Um, and I just start making real food. And um, at first it was very complex. I had to look up all these fancy recipes because I wasn't the best vegetable eater, right? Like I, I had a couple things, but I wasn't well-rounded. Um, but as time went on, I realized I started to crave veggies a little bit more, right? Like when I was eating lunch, I had like a bunch of carrots. I'm like, oh yeah, carrots, right? Um, and I same thing, I started just feeling better. Um, and then when I'd have my cheat meal well also side note a little bit of a confession i used to have cheat days you're supposed to have a cheat meal i used to have cheat days it i just you know like i said prolific sweet tooth so it was a cheat day i woke up it was a sunday i made pancakes in the morning uh and then that afternoon we went out and got ice cream and we had like you know like a cookie there too i love sugar cookies and i just like it was a good day i'm not gonna lie to you i loved it i didn't feel bad until the next day, I was, <laughs> until the next day, I was uh -huh. at the gym and I was working out. I was like, I don't know why I feel like I was up all night drinking. Like mm -hmm. I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't get into gear. And then I thought, oh, 
maybe that was that was the first time it happened. And I just thought it was just an off day. And then I realized whenever my cheat day was, cheat meals actually, because it started going back the next day, I just wasn't 100%. So, and then my palate changed, which I think was interesting. Now all my vegetables are olive oil, salt, and pepper. And I, and I mean, I eat it like, like, I, like it's candy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just work out, and, but I don't work out vigorously. I, I mean, we went to a pandemic. Equipment was heavy, and uh, Dickie or Aaron Grimes said, hey, buy these resistance bands online. They're 30 bucks. Drill them into some studs, and I'm going to put together a plan for you. And, um, yeah, and I feel fantastic. I mean, it's, it's – and it's easy. I don't have to remember rules. I don't like rules. Like, I do intermittent fasting because I'm never a big breakfast person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wake up and I'm like, okay, you know, and I meal prep. So I have, you know, little containers, perfect sweet potato and chicken, or, you know, I love asparagus as well. Mm-hmm. Um, actually I like all the vegetables. They're all good. <laughs> um, <laughs> Me too. and, um, you know, and that's, I mean, that's it. It's pretty, I mean, it, I, I like simplicity and it's not really rocket science to keep up with it. Yeah. I, I think that the, I mean, your journey has been amazing to, you know, see, and, and I think that you're also a highly motivated person and very smart person. So, you know, you're like star pupil. Um, I think that, you know, the, the most important thing for people to know is that, you know, his approach was, was good for him, right. That that's what worked for him and that it's sustainable, right. A year and a half later, and he's still following the, those principles. And feeling that hangover after you go back, um, that's, that's the, the moment yeah. of realization. I so. would say too, Doc Mock, you told me I'd, I'd feel that way and I yeah. denied it. I was a denier. Like, yeah. there's no way. I, I'm a hummingbird. I could consume massive tons of amount of sugar. I was like, there's no way I'll feel bad the next day. And I, I mean, I, yeah. Like, I mean, talking about warm-up push-ups were just like, oh, I yeah. was second win. So, it was right. So, but thank you so much for, for sharing. And, and I think that we had, there's so much more to talk about, so we'll continue this conversation, but I think we're going to have to, to part today, Jackie P. Oh, that's unfortunate. It feels like it was very short, but, uh, we'll, we'll come back with a part two. Yeah, I agree. Everyone loves sequels, right? That's right. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> Empire, right? Empire. Empire yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Doc Mock, I think um, to summarize, if I may, um, the the perfect human diet really is what's perfect for you. If there's something that you're going to implement and you can't do it long term or like just it's really a change of lifestyle, then you're you're it's going to be an uphill battle forever. If you do the paleo diet and it works for you, right? great fantastic if you do ketogenic diet and it works for you if you just eat natural food and regular food it's good for you but it's all about making sure that's something you can do healthy in a healthy fashion and also sustainable long term so it's just it's no longer a diet it's just a new way you eat and see food well put as always maximal beings Doc Mock here with Jackie P, and we are here to maximize your health. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button, leave us a comment, and head on over to MaximalBeing.com to learn more.
Email us at team at maximalbeing.com if you have questions. We'll see you next time. Bye. What's going on, Maximal Beings? Doc Mock here. If you haven't done so already, leave us a comment and hit the subscribe button. Let your friends and family know. That way we can get the word out and continue to bash the bro science.